The Bloomington Early Music Festival is celebrating its 25th year with a nine-day lineup featuring musicians, academics, and ensembles from all over the world. And what's different about this year from the past is not only its scale, but depth of performances, which took many years to achieve. It was put on originally by a group of students in the Early Music Institute, now the Historical Performance Institute. That's Alaya Barker, president of Bloomington Early Music who felt that they really wanted to connect to the community with what they were doing as artists. They wanted to go downtown and take their instruments with them and, and find uh, interesting acoustic spaces and just put on a series of, of concerts that they thought would be attractive to audiences in Bloomington, and it was widely successful. Historical performance is a term that we use these days for being able to reconstruct music as it was performed, say, 300 years ago. And this is Dana Marsh, director of the Historical Performance Institute and chair of the Early Music Department at the Jacobs School of Music. And what we do in historical performance is we aim first for the instruments that Bach would have had to work with. And we know this through surviving copies of instruments, artwork and iconography that shows us very exacting representations of those instruments. To kick off this year's festival, the Bloomington Bach Cantata Project performed J.S. Bach's Cantata 66, originally performed in Leipzig, Germany in 1724, as part of Bach's duties as head church musician. Unlike many modern Bach cantata performances, this group assigns one person per part and plays on historic instruments, 16 musicians in all. Research suggests that this was the type of ensemble Bach would have worked with over 300 years ago to create these cantatas. On top of that, the Bloomington Bach Cantata Project always gives its audience two performances in one. Over the years, it has come down to this, where we perform the cantata twice. That's Wendy Gillespie, director of the Bloomington Bach Cantata Project. And in between, we have a lecture from a Bach specialist who we're lucky enough to have on faculty. Uh, my name is Dan Malamed. I teach in the musicology department at IU, and I'm the advisor to the Bloomington Bach Cantata Project. When Bach got to Leipzig in the summer of 1723 to take up his job as head city musician and head church musician, he all of a sudden was faced with the responsibility of providing this kind of music every week. And he needed a repertory of pieces that was exactly suited to the place in its length and in the kind of text it set and in the performers it was designed for. And the easiest way to do that was to compose a piece, which he did every week in that first year. And so this was part of the first um, years uh, liturgical years worth of cantatas he composed and performed. Uh, in this piece it turns out that to um, make this possible he turned to some music he had composed earlier when he worked at a, a small court in, an, uh, in another town, his job before coming to Leipzig, and he recycled this music. It had originally been a birthday piece for the sovereign and somebody worked with him to write new text and they turned it into an Easter piece. While Dr. Malamed focuses on how the cantata came to be, his lectures are really geared toward changing the way people listen to the piece. I try to make my focus, what can you listen for here? What would people have heard in the early 18th century, to the extent we can tell? And what are some ways we can listen as well, both modern ways and ways that um, follow the patterns of the 18th century? You can listen to all of his cantatas more than once, and it can affect you differently each time. 
That's bass baritone Daniel Lentz, one of the four singers who performed Cantata 66. And that's what I love about Daniel Malamud's lectures is that once you get that extra knowledge that he imparts to you, then you can hear it a different way the second time. I'm singing the same words, but how can I add a new feeling to it? And how, how can that uh, be received by the audience? And that, that's very interesting. We have a rotating ensemble now of singers and instrumentalists who understand this music and who understand this way of performing it. Again, Daniel Malamed. We model our performances on Bach's own, Modern cantata performances and performances of Bach's big vocal instrumental works have come to be pieces for chorus and orchestra and soloists, but we now know pretty clearly that's not how Bach performed them. He used small forces, and what I come away from this is just so impressed with the level and with the resources we have to draw on in Bloomington. It makes me very hopeful for our beginning of our... We've done, we will have done 50 cantatas when we start in the fall, uh, and it makes me... I feel very good about what the next 50 will be like in the Bloomington Bach Cantata Project. The festival continues through Sunday, May 27th, with performances from community members and students from the Jacobs School. But this year, you also hear performances from ensembles like Bimor Bach Ensemble, the Sacred Music Project, Bloomington Quarry Morris Dancers, and Early Music America's Young Performers Festival, featuring university ensembles from Oberlin, Case Western, and Southern California. It's been a real privilege to be able to be part of the revivification of the festival. Again, Dana Marsh. And we're really making a quantum leap this year through this very special collaboration. What's happening this year, I think more than ever, is... Again, Alain Barker. The fact that all these groups are actually coming together to create something that is greater than anything that they could produce on their own. Early Music America is also bringing in their national board and they're going to have their annual meeting here. And it, in fact, is the first time that Early Music America will be doing something like this. In years past, Early Music America had its annual festival in either Boston or Berkeley, California. But it became clear that Bloomington is ready for the spotlight and is the perfect place to begin expanding the showcase of the newest innovations in early music. Historical performance has a very special home in Bloomington in that What's really important is, on the one hand, you have a world-class music conservatory, but it's situated on a leading public research university. And in historical performance, you need both the research and performance side of the discipline to make it work. You can't have one without the other. The fact that we have a community that loves exploring art and performance in the ways that it does and the fact that it's relatively easy for us to mount these in this wonderful campus. I, I just think that there are a lot of resources in Bloomington that make this sort of project possible. The Bloomington Early Music Festival continues through Sunday, May 27th. The concluding weekend's events include the EMA Showcase Concerts on Friday and Saturday night at 7 o'clock in Hour Hall, where you can also hear Blemp's concluding performance of the Festival Orchestra, featuring violinist Ingrid Matthews and harpsichordist Jory Vinicor, Sunday night at 7 o'clock. All events are free and open to the public. For a full list of upcoming performances, visit blemf.org. That's B-L-E-M-F dot O-R-G. For WFIU Arts, I'm Rick Brewer.